English is the lingua franca of academia. How can we think critically of it? How can we deconstruct it, not only as a language, but as also a place of encounter? About this and many other important topics is this conversation with Ana Cristina Susina in this new episode of El Café Latinx. What is the experience of being a Latinx or Latin American scholar in the field of communication and media studies? What are the main challenges and opportunities that come with our identities? These are the issues that we'll talk about in El Café Latinx, where some of the leading voices in the field will share their professional experiences. Hola, my name is Pablo Wojcicki. I teach at Northwestern University, where I hold the Hamid bin Khalif Al Thani Chair in Communication. Together with Mora Matassi, doctoral student at Northwestern and executive producer of this podcast, we invite you to discover the journeys of scholars who are at the cutting edge of creating knowledge about Latinx or Latin American communities across the Americas. These are our stories. Esas son nuestras historias. Estas son nuestras historias. Welcome to this new episode of El Café Latinx. I am thrilled to have with us Ana Cristina Susina. Anna is a Leverhulme Early Career Fellow in the Media and Creative Industries Institute at Loughborough University, London, in the UK. She got her Bachelor's degree in Journalism at Universidad Estadual de Ponta Grossa in Brazil, where she also received a Master of Culture and History, followed by a Master's in Political Sociology at Universidade Federal do Paraná, Curitiba, Brazil, and then a master's in political sciences at Université Catholique de Louvain in Belgium, and a PhD in social and political sciences also at Université Catholique de Louvain in Belgium. She is a very prolific author, having published already five books and uh, having two more um, in uh, the works that are forthcoming. Uh, one with uh, Vega Casanova called La Evolución de la Comunicación Popular in America Latina, which will be published uh, by the Colombian uh, publisher FES, and um, uh, another one uh, that will be published in the Netherlands by the Institute for Natural Cultures called Freire and the Perseverance of Hope Communication for All with her co-author Tafti. She has dozens of articles and book chapters and uh, is embarked on a fascinating project in Ecuador that I hope we'll get to talk some more about. Ana, welcome to this new episode of El Café Latinx. Thank you, Pablo. Thank you to all the team that organizes the seminars and these podcasts. It is a fascinating work that you do, and it's a pleasure to join this series, to join the conversation with you today. The pleasure is all ours. Anna, tell us, how did it all begin? That is, how was the start of the journey that led you to become an academic? Um, I would say that an academic, the journey of becoming an academic started, uh, started very early as um, I think my vocation 
my, my real call is studying. I always like it to study. I was this, this um, student who would get uh, a work to do and would try to, to do it with creativity, to search different ways of doing the, the, the work, the assignment. So I enjoyed it. It was not of, because of the grades. It was about the joy of learning something different, of searching something that I didn't know before. Um, and so I would say that this is studying, researching is a kind of call that was there. My grandma keeps saying until today, are you going, are we going to stop studying someday in your life? And I think I won't because this is what I like to do. But an academic in, but at this moment, it was not the idea of academic was very far away from me. I come from a, a well, my, my mother's family is from the countryside. I'm the first generation to, to be born in the city, in a city. Um, my father was from a neighborhood in the periphery. So I come from a family, I, I was the first to end the school, the, the, the complete school, like the secondary school and to go to university, it was, it was not a common in my family. So the idea of becoming an academic was never there. Was, so I went to the university because I wanted to, to have a profession. I was, I was, even though I loved studying, being academic was something that I didn't even know what would what was about. But then I think was, and then I went to, to, to do journalism that was about writing, about also learning. I love it. I went to, I went to journalism because I, I wanted to know people's histories and, and discover things again about my, in the beginning about my city, about people that I didn't know about. I remember one of the first uh, articles that I did was about who were the people naming the streets of the city. So it was all this relationship with learning and discovering. So I think all, all of this was already there. And, but it took me a while to discover that science could be a possibility in my life and that I could really spend, live from this. For, as, as you see, my, my CV for a great while, I was working as a practitioner in communication as a journalist and still doing a master here, a master there, some training here, some training there. Because I love it, this, I love it to go there, like work during the week and spend the whole Saturday in a classroom and reading and learning. I love this, but for me, it was almost a hobby. So it took a while in my life to understand that, well, science can be my way, my, my, my living uh, uh, work, my living work, my, my, my main uh, work. Um, but I would say that it was already there since the beginning. I, we didn't see it um, completely, but very interesting. Through. Very, very interesting. So so it's true, I mean, you have three master's degree, not two, but three. Um, so, but the third one was already outside of Brazil. 
how was the process of deciding to leave the country? And I'm assuming when you were in Belgium, you were studying full time. You are not working as a journalist. Hmm. Or where are you? I, I was still working at this time because I was... Well, as I was doing things with researchers, as I was um, taking part in academic seminars here and there, I would listen to people saying, why don't you do a master? Why don't you come and do it properly and, and do some, res some research like concentrating uh, your, your time in doing a research? And I was planning it every year and so next year, next year. But then I got involved in another project, in another, uh, I was working in social movements, uh, grassroots communication. So every time there was something more urgent than leaving the work and, and going to academia and to science and to research. And then what happened, uh, the move, I, I was like, willing to to go and i in a certain way I, I felt that the only way i could make this time would be to leave the country and leave all those engagements in a certain way make it very disruptive and then go but in this other place this will be the main focus and the opportunity came because i started dating an, an Argentinian guy who was living in Belgium. And then at a certain moment, I decided to join him there. And I said, this is the right moment to, to, to take the plan of doing research seriously. I came from Brazil to Europe with a couple of um, uh, free, freelance uh, jobs from those organizations because I was not sure if I would be strong enough to keep doing research and leave behind uh, the engagements with these social organizations and this project. So I did, I would say, half of my master in Belgium still doing some reports, some freelance jobs for 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 a couple of organization consultancy jobs, smaller jobs, but still, because I was like, I think it is also an issue about representativity because at a certain point, well, coming from the place where, uh, where I come, many times I asked myself, is this my place? Is this, is this where I should be? Um, do I fit all the criteria to be in such a place, to be called a researcher? Is, am I willing too much from someone coming from the place where, where I come from? So I think it was also a personal battle in terms of understanding that I could occupy this space as well. So, um when evidently when you were asking yourself that question not evidently but i'm assuming is because in part you had some doubts about whether it could be a place for you or not so when did you stop having doubts or when did you start having a lower level of doubt um 
I think I'm in this process yet because I came to uh, to to science completely to science after 15 years working as a practitioner. And sometimes when I when I'm doing a research like the one I'm doing now and I go to the field and I'm there with the communities and they're like I'm immersed in the projects, in the reality of these projects. I sometimes I still do I know how to do science? Do I do I do it properly? Or am I still that practitioner? And so I, I, I used to say when I was doing my, my PhD, uh, one of the members of my jury asked me why, must, why my, my work was so inductive. And I said, this, is, this was an option because after the first field work of my PhD, well, the field work is, is normally a very easy part of the, the, the research for me because as I work with grassroots, communities and associations, it, it is where, it is the place where I come from. And so it's very easy to engage with these communities. And after my first field work for the PhD, when I was listening to my recordings, I just realized that I was not doing enough questions. I was taking many things for granted because of my experience, because they, they sent me things that connected to, to my experience. And I was, okay, I understood that. And that's where I decided that I should double check everything. So every, every time I go to the field and people talk to me about something that relates to my experience, to my background, to the things I believe, I will repeat the same question two, three, four times. I will check with the person, I'm understanding this from my experience. Is this what you are saying? Or is this something else? And I think this is because, um, so many times I keep asking is, am I doing this properly? Am I a real scientist? Can I call myself a real scientist? So how much of me is still um, communication practitioner from, from social organizations uh, or what part of me is still a trainer of popular communications, which is something that I use it to be for a while as well in Latin America. And maybe I will be all of this all my life, but it is still a kind of question, especially because this, this scientific uh, field questions people a lot about this. Are you are you really a researcher? Are you following all the Bible, all the all the rules of the Bible? And sometimes, yes, I ask myself, and I do my best to 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 do like a, a correct and ethical research. But I I do realize and I recognize that probably this, this, my past will be always there. So I will, maybe I will be always a researcher with a finger, maybe hand uh, coming from, from these past experiences. Excellent. And then 
How was your experience as a Brazilian living for the first time abroad, uh, doing a PhD in Belgium, you know, in Louvain? Um, I would say that it was interesting. I was in a research center with a lot of Latin American researchers. So it was, we discovered ourselves in a in a kind of community, exchanging a lot, sharing a lot of uh, our projects all had some kind of relationship in terms of, of the, the background we were bringing uh, in our research um, or the questions we were making. So it was, um, it was an interesting context. But when you ask about um, being a Brazilian doing science in Europe, I would say not just in Belgium, but in Europe uh, as a whole, I would say that I discovered myself. I discovered sides of myself that I didn't know. I discovered that I was a woman. I discovered that I was a migrant. I discovered that I was um, as white and blue-eyed as you can see, but I am also racialized. Um, so I discovered, I discovered myself as part of the justice struggles that I was working with in Latin America. I think I discovered another, I discovered that how deep it can go, how deep it can go, uh, all these relationships with, uh, these power relationships with women, with migrants, with uh, with people from different countries. And I do realize that I, exactly because I'm a white woman, I am in a position of privilege in these situations because when I enter a room here in Europe, people first looking at me, they will first associate me with Germany, with uh, the UK, with uh, Italy. They will try to fit me somewhere when they read my, my surname, sometimes they think it's Russian. So they will try to fit me somewhere around the neighborhood. And, and so being white helps me like to not call much attention. And, and it makes many processes easier. But this very moment when people discover that I'm from Latin America, then there is some other kind of relationships that start and we need to prove ourselves. Then in academia, we need to, to make very clear that we do regional research. We are doing research in, in a specific region of the world, but it is as significant as the research that is being done in Europe in this regional uh, zone. So I think I discovered, I discovered this, that, that I am a woman, that I am a white racialized woman, that I am a migrant, migrant. And lately I discovered myself as a mother and, and all of this happening here um, made me understand better social uh, justice issues, um, democratic justice issues. So it was a personal discovery, but it was a well, 
a discovery about other dimension, dimensions of my, my, my own work. If we can stay on this for a moment, how was the process of discovery? You are talking about discovery as a, like an end stage here, right? That the real, but how was the, the process and how did that process shape your work, your research? It was painful. I think the, the main word, it, it was, especially in the beginning, it was painful in a, in a way that uh, I didn't understand it in the beginning. Um, so it was painful to, 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 I don't know, to realize um, the, the depth of, 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 of these issues. Um, but then later, I think it was also interesting well, we, you know, especially we, we know from, from the Latin American experience that uh, approach that the experience tells a lot and teaches a lot. And so I think it made me more sensible to many issues that were invisible to me as well. I was, I have been always working with social justice issues in all my works, but I think the moment I leave it, these experiences open my eyes to other perspectives of these problems. So living the experience made me more aware and maybe more, um, uh, how can I say this? Uh, more um, capable of engaging with, with some histories, with some experiences that I was uh, working with. Um, and I think for my work, I discovered that as important as doing quality research is to discuss and debate the way we do research, the way uh, the structures of, of knowledge are organized, um, it is important like to do both, to do a great research. My, my research needs to be a good piece of work, but also I need to find a way to discuss why knowledge is managed the way it is, uh, why there are these issues. Uh, because if I'm living here, I'm, I'm really in a situation of privilege because I'm, in, I'm, I'm working in Europe, I'm a white, person i'm in a i'm in the british academia which is one of the most uh, um, uh, respected in the world so i am and, and i'm seeing some barriers in relation to myself that are probably a lot uh, uh, that, that are less important, less difficult than those that my colleagues in other places of the world, being Latin America, South Asia, Africa, are experiencing. And I have, I have structure here, I have money here that many people around the world don't, don't have. 
doing, trying to do science with a lot of effort. So the, I think this experience shaped my way of positioning myself in academia as someone who needs to try to at least question a couple of questions, uh, ask a couple of questions in the place where I am today, like use this place to ask, a, at least ask a couple of questions. If I can help to change something, great, but if uh, at least I need to make these questions and, and try to, to make people think about it. And, you know, one dimension of your work where you have reflected in, in a very influential manner, in my opinion, um, about these structures of, of power um, and privilege in academia is the role of English as the language uh, through which a lot of the communication takes place, including this conversation uh, by a Brazilian and an Argentine who probably rather speak Portuguese and, and Spanish uh, left to our own devices. I'm assuming in your case, I know for a fact in my case. So, um, I'm assuming, so in, at Louvain, you had to study in French, right? And, and write in French. And now you write and teach and work in English. Um, how has the experience of writing, researching, communicating in borrowed languages, so to speak, um, been for you? And how has that sort of shaped your thinking? This is a great question. A lot of dimensions <laughs> together. Um, first of all, I I, I did uh, I did my master uh, um, monograph in French here uh, uh, there in Belgium, but I did my PhD in English, and it was already an issue of I was studying doing research in Brazil and. I said that English would be more accessible in Latin America than French. And so I decided to, it, of course, it, it's not ideal, but it would be more accessible than French. And the university accepted that I would deliver my, my, my dissertation in, in English, but I did uh, have to, to do the activities in university in, in, in French. Um, I think um, I think working in in different languages. I think it's I don't know maybe I maybe I have a weird brain because I think it is the interesting thing about about knowing different languages is that you get to know different senses different meanings uh, a word can take. And, and, and you need to make efforts to describe the meaning of things. You need to get people to understand what you are saying. So uh, what you are saying, and sometimes you will need to describe it. You will need to, to unfold your ideas more than if you are writing in your own language to people who know your own language. 
so I think it is it is interesting because it is almost like um, using all the colors of a palette. You could maybe use two or three to 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 draw a, 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 something that you want to to draw, and when you are dealing with uh, a different language you are accessing this the meanings of this what uh, you are interviewing someone in one language and you're writing in another one and then you need to make sense between what this what is the meaning of this person of, of, of what this person is saying and how can i express this in a language that is not and when it is English and Portuguese, for instance, it's even not the same uh, basis. Because if I'm doing it from Spanish to Portuguese, well, you can still keep the structure, you can keep some uh, etymology. But when you are working with like English and Portuguese, English and Spanish, you really need to unfold the words in order to preserve the meanings. So I like to think that this is an exercise in which you are always polishing the meanings of the messages. And I like it. The problem is that most of the reviewers, when you are writing, they don't like it. And they want the objectivity. They want the, 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 the norm of the language. And I think it is a challenge to understand that that this, this manipulation of language is not, is not uh, how do we call it in English when you have, uh, in, in Portuguese, you have the regular translations and you have these official translations that are for someone, that are made by someone who is like, who has the authority to say this is a proper translation. And I think that what we do when we are like, dealing with these different um, words of languages, you are not in the official translation. We are in this other translation that is more about the meanings than about the word or the grammar itself. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that we should uh, uh, kick off the grammar and the rules and anything like this. What I'm saying is that that this is, this is more about understanding the very sense of what people are saying, of what we are thinking and, and, and digesting from what has been said and the way you want to deliver it to someone else. And I think this is a lot richer than, than doing this fine translation in this frame, this square of the of the of the official language uh, and it affects a lot my work it's it's again the same way i double check my understandings because of, because of my experience i would double check in relation to language many times and when i'm writing i will send to the person I, well, I have been speaking with, I am translating this like this, like 
this will be the long sentence that will translate what you said into words. Does it relate with what you think? Because also it's, and it's nice because when we are doing it, you discover other, other the person say, wow, well, this is this, but this is also that. And, and you discover things that you were not looking for actually. And, and it, it, makes, it makes the process slower, but it's fun. Excellent. And then using the, the issue of language as a transition, the next issue, you said that you did your master's in French, but your PhD in English. And since then, um, now you work in the British educational system, right? So how has been your experience transitioning from Belgium to England professionally um, with educational systems that, you know, um, are different and they have yeah. different traditions, even after the Bologna framework, and that yeah. there's still significant yeah, differences. Different, yeah. And and also transitioning identity-wise from being a student to being on the other side now. Um, how has that been for you? It is, I think it is still a learning process. It's very different. Uh, it's the systems are very, very different. So it is, I, I'm, I'm ending with the, the, the tentatives of, of trying to find equivalences. Uh, sometimes uh, you are like, what, what I'm facing here or the procedure that I need to follow here, is this similar to what I had in Brazil? Is this similar to what I had in Belgium? Is this similar to what, like to try to, to, to place myself? And I, I'm abandoning this because it is, they are different. These are different, it's different. The, the, the system is different. The way students behave is different because the system kind of, of, of frame the, the community of learning that you have in front of you. Um, and so it is a learning process. Um, especially because, well, I'm in a position in, in the UK, I'm a full-time researcher. And so I, I have a distant relationship with the system. I mean, I'm, I'm in there, I'm, I'm in this frame, uh, uh, I'm guided by these rules, but I'm not, I do contribute with teaching, in my colleagues' uh, modules, but I don't have a, a, a module by my that is my own, so I don't need to deal with the the, the, the small details about about uh, the educational um, the high education system. But I do have a sense that is different, and and I'm I'm learning. Uh, the process, and, and then I think again it is. But the, 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 the passage from a student to a, to a, a academic staff, um, it's still close to me, I would say, because I'm an early career fellow. So it's first stage in this process. Um, I'm full-time researcher, so I'm in a different position from most of my colleagues who have uh, who have teaching and research responsibilities, and it's again a privileged position to 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 
dedicate all my day to reading and writing and and it's completely different from those who have to teach like complete semesters so i think i'm still in the transition i like it i'm 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 enjoying that it's it's going slowly because maybe if i had transitioned straight to teaching to a full time teaching position it wouldn't be very easy especially for me after 15 years as a practitioner then then the phd and then immediately to teaching maybe it would be more difficult so i'm enjoying that it's going slowly and i'm having the opportunity to to see what is around and to learn from the experience uh, with my colleagues and and i'm enjoying a lot the relationship with students uh, the possibility of sharing uh, what I, I have learned and to contribute to their to their learning and to learn with them from their experiences as well. So I'm, I'm, I am in the transition, I would say. Excellent. And, and, and speaking about transitions and you know, liminal stages, which is in part what happens during the transition, um, your current work involves field work in an indigenous community in Ecuador and that you know um, it's a site of tradition if you wish um, with at the same time some interesting connections with you know the more cutting-edge technology be that you know uh, messaging services like whatsapp or uh, imaging, you know, technologies like drones. Yeah. And you live in arguably one of the say handful of global metropolises that exist in the world, you know, London. Uh, I'm assuming you live in London, but at least you work in a, in, a, in a university in London. So, so how do you manage the contrast between tradition and modernity, between um, a place that you have to you know, to, 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 to go do your field work, it's probably more than a, a day's worth of a journey in multiple transportation media and one of the foremost global metropolis on this planet. I love this. I love this, this the possibility of transitioning between these realities. I love the possibility of, of learning from, from both of them, from all of them. And I mainly love to see that they are not so opposite as we would think initially, because mainly it is about a human organization or human uh, collectives. Uh, trying to make their, them, their, their lives uh, possible. And so I love, I love to see that the neighborhood around me is trying to do things together and trying to, to discuss what will be better for their kids. Uh, if, if building a new, a new school, modern school, or to, to bring the kids to have their 
their activities in in the woods and and when I go there to the, to the indigenous communities, they are also discussing what is the best way to live? How can we, they're always saying, what are we going to leave to our kids? And, and so I love this. I love this possibility of transitioning between this, 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 um, this two perspectives. Of, of, of living our human experience. Uh, but what I most love is that every time I go to the, to the field work, I am able to um, um, how do we say this to filter in a certain way or to um, like to process the way we live and to, to question myself what is really important. Because when we are here in these huge centers, we keep thinking, we keep adding necessities to our lives. Necessities of safety, of, of uh, presenting ourselves, of equipment, of things around us. And then when we go to the field, especially the kind of field work that I do, we go to these places, to these communities, and you discover that actually you don't need them. And so I, I like this, 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 this contradiction. This contradiction is important. I, I like to see that there are some things that they are not as opposite as, they, they, as we think, but I like to, the way this field work challenges the way we define ourselves here. Uh, here, I mean, in, in urban centers and, and I think, and I think working with indigenous people is, uh, I mean, I have been always worked with poor communities and I think indigenous communities, they are, in the extreme position of this, of this, um, if we can say that there is an scale, because they are living in simplicity. And this, in this last field work, I love it. One exchange that I had with one of one of the community leaders, when he was asking, who defined what is poverty? How much of poverty? is the creation of needs that don't really exist. And I mean, I do understand that there are elements of dignity that must be preserved. It's not the misery, the, there's no defense of misery, of lack of rights, of the respect of human decent conditions of living. What I'm saying is that uh, they are living there in a very rich condition and we look to them and look look at them and we will place them as poor and i like i love this i love the possibility of questioning the the structures of our way of living when going to these different fields and i hope to keep doing research like this always to have the opportunity to go to this kind of places, to be 
in exchange with this kind of communities of people who keep our society making questions because this is the most important thing that we think I think we can do. Excellent. And then if you had magical powers and could be granted one wish about how you would like the field of communication and media studies to change, what would you wish for? I, my wish, I, I, I don't know if, if it is about changing, but about reinforcing one, one aspect that, that, that is, is, is there, but sometimes is missing. That is, I think my, my wish, my, 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 my great wish would be that we, this field would be always critical and always justice oriented. And what I, I mean, I, I, I'm not saying, I don't want to say that other fields of research, if I'm studying technologies and I want to see how the most developed, the newest technologies developing and reaching people around the world, etc. I'm not saying that this is not important. What I'm saying is that I would like to see this kind of studies and all other kinds of studies, including this question about how much this affects justice systems, how much this affects the, the conditions of, of deepening inequalities of, or are granting more equality, more justice to the world. Because I, I do agree with what, I, what we saw with Professor uh, Scolari in one of the seminars that understanding media, understanding communication is about understanding society. And so what my, my wishful thinking would be that every time we do a study in communication and media, we do include a critical perspective and questions related with, with how, what we are studying, how our topic of study relate with issues of justice. This would be my, my very, my, my, my most, my deepest dream, I would say. All right, then it's a wonderful dream to have. So Anna, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your journey and your wisdom with us. Uh, thank you to our listeners for staying with us through the end. And I invite everybody to join us for the next episode of El Café Latinx. Thank you again, Anna. Thank you very much, Pablo, for this nice conversation. Thank you. And thank you for the listeners as well. El Café Latinx is a production of the Center for Latinx Digital Media in the Department of Communication Studies at Northwestern University. I am Pablo Wojcikowski, your host, and I'm joined by executive producer Mona Matassi. 